So thinking about that Emmaus Road story. I read a true story about a Brazilian businessman, Alvaro Wayne, who had, well, the equivalent of £10,000 in cash and decided the safest place to put it would be into the rubbish bin. Nobody would look there. And he was right. He was in his office, but while he was out, the cleaner came, picked up the waste paper bin without looking into it, emptied it into a bin bag without giving it a second glance. And perhaps we can sometimes feel that life's like that. You think you've got something precious and all of a sudden it's gone. But here's another story which may or may not be true. It doesn't really matter. It says something else about life. Enrico, a Brazilian pauper who scrapes a living by scavenging the rubbish tips of the city and using or selling what he finds, picked up a small plastic bin liner from the top of a new pile of refuse, which had just been dumped. He opened it, and with great surprise, there was the equivalent of £10,000. He ran home to his wife and family brought that bought them new clothes, had a celebration meal, and put down the deposit on a house away from the slums. You see, sometimes life can be like that. You think you've got nothing precious at all, that life has given you little, that the good things that you once had are lost, And suddenly, without any warning, you are surprised by joy. It's a good story, isn't it? The story of the Emmaus Road. And you could read it again and again, and we do. People who were suddenly surprised by joy. At the start of uh, the story, there were two men defeated They thought that they had had something precious, their relationship with Jesus, and all of a sudden it was gone. All they had with Jesus, all the warmth, the wonder they had shared with him and the others, had been taken away by the brutal forces of the government and the military, who had killed him as an agitator, an enemy of the state. But by the end of the story... There were two men exploding with warmth and wonder again, realising that the stranger that they'd been sharing their troubles with, the guest at their table, had been Jesus himself. They recognised him in the breaking of the bread. As the crumbs fell to the table, they were surprised by joy. My hope and prayer is that when we, at the end of this service, share together communion, that we will be surprised by joy, will recognise Jesus in a, in a special way to us, 
we read in the Bible, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us whilst he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Let's be expectant that maybe our hearts might burn. When Christ appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden, it was intimate. He called her by name. When Christ appeared to the disciples and later to Thomas behind closed doors, it was powerful. He gave them the Holy Spirit and strengthened them for their faith. When Christ appeared on the shore of Lake Galilee, cooking fish for the disciples' breakfast, it was mysterious and solemn and special. And to Cleopas and his companion in their lodgings at Emmaus, it was all of those things, intimate, empowering, mysterious, solemn and special. All of these resurrection stories show us that Jesus is a God who wants to surprise us with joy. That expression, surprised by joy, you may know it. It was coined by the 20th century Christian writer C.S. Lewis. You know, wrote the Narnia books and, and others. He made it the title of his autobiography, you may have read it, where he talks about his early days as an atheist, someone who disbelieved God and went out of his way to avoid God. But God was after him. And he said this, looking back, You must picture me, Lewis wrote, alone in my room, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I earnestly desired not to meet. Gradually, he came to admit that God was God. And knelt and prayed. And he said this, Perhaps that night he was the most dejected and reluctant convert in all England. He began to attend church and read the Gospels. And they started to make sense. Lewis had acknowledged God. Now God was after him to acknowledge his son. The subject was on Lewis's mind constantly. In a now famous passage from his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, Lewis related his final step into real joy. I know very well when, but hardly how, the final step was taken. I was driven to Whipsnade Zoo one sunny morning. When we set out, I did not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And when we reached the zoo, I did. The journey to Whipsnade Zoo was Lewis's Emmaus Road. It tells us that Emmaus Road experiences still happen in our day. They might well happen to us. A writer, Ter Terry 
Linval explains Lewis's conversion like this. C.S. Lewis was drawn into the kingdom of God by joy, by taste of this blessed fruit and divine gift. Joy was that divine carrot that persuaded such a self-proclaimed donkey as Lewis to plod down the road towards Jerusalem. It was a soft, disturbing kiss of God that unmade all of Lewis's world. Joy compelled Lewis toward the towards the resurrection laughter of Easter. I wonder about you. Are you on the way to an Emmaus Road experience? We don't know because you won't know until you get there. But just open yourself up to that possibility. The elders met on Friday night, just an informal gathering, just to assess the, the Holy Week, the week before Easter, where this church embarked in a whole range of activity and prayer. And there was a great joy as we just shared experiences and a sense that for many people that week had been, at least in part, an Emmaus Road experience. Maybe there's some here that fits into that category But we recognise that it wasn't the end, it was a beginning and we need to go on in that road. And so as elders we we sat and we prayed and we just listened to God. And there were some important revelations which we need to mull over and and share together and, and see what's next. But one thing that we did decide was that that Holy Week activities came through prayer and that God directed that. And then we were obedient to it. And that's what we must do again in the future. So don't be surprised if God meets with you. Maybe today, or maybe the next time you go to Whipsnade Zoo, or wherever you are, that God surprises us with his joy. The stories tell us that Jesus brings joy to those who set themselves out on journeys. We don't know what joyful surprises Jesus has in store for us. But we can expect joyful surprises if we're on the way and are obedient to him. Remember that the first followers of Jesus were not called Christians. That came later. They were called people of the way. Jesus had said, and Sarah read it to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you're on the way, you're on a journey. And if you are in the way, in the way of Jesus, then as you travel, your behaviour will be affected by him. As Cleopas and the other disciple walked along the Emmaus Road, these two travellers were very affected by him. Let's just think about their behaviour and how it might influence our behaviour. First of all, they were talking with each other about the things of God that had happened. 
talking and discussing about the story of Jesus. People of the way love to do that together. Let's be encouraged just to, to share and to talk about our experiences of Jesus. Secondly, they welcomed a stranger to talk with them. People of the way should welcome strangers. Open their hearts and minds to people they don't know. Let's do that. Thirdly, the two men on the Emmaus Road shared the story of Jesus with the stranger. Something which people of the way should do. To share the story of Jesus to those we don't know. Fourth, they listened to the stranger when he gave them a different view of the story that they had told. When he turned the story around to show them a better way of looking at it, they listened. People of the way will always be willing to listen and learn from others, whoever they are. See, when we really encounter people, maybe over a cup of tea at the end of the service, we can share and we can listen. And then our faith can, can develop and change, be dynamic. And fifthly, the two invited their companion to stay with them. People of the way should practice hospitality. The table is always set for a guest. They were deeply unhappy, these men. They'd just been bereaved in the most terrible circumstances. But they kept journeying, embracing a stranger, opened themselves up to new ways of thinking, generously offered up their food and their home. They did this not because of their circumstances, which were bad, but because they were people of the way. And if you are on the way, then you're likely to be surprised by joy when you live out the way. And sure enough, they soon were. So joy comes through sadness. Joy comes to those who walk the way of Jesus. And this was C.S. Lewis's experience. This is what was said about him. Joy compelled Lewis towards the resurrection laughter of Easter. Yet it was a path that had to pass through Good Friday. As Lewis grew in his faith, there would be no detour around the tears and tribulations of life, of being stomped, pressed down and crushed like grapes, so that the sweet wine of intoxicating laughter could be poured out on dry and thirsty souls. And maybe some of us might experience some of that dryness as we come before him. Perhaps we too will experience that resurrection laughter. So let us keep on the way of Jesus ourselves, a way that many of us have been going for years. A way perhaps we stray every now and again. Again, we can come and confess that straying. Let today's stories encourage us to live as people of the way. And let us be thrilled by the expectation that in doing this, we'll almost certainly find Jesus en route, 
surprising us with joy.